0: You're listening to the Pure Desire Podcast, your safe place to find hope, healing, and freedom from sexual addiction, betrayal, and relationship issues. What's up, guys? Just wanted to let you know about our upcoming Pure Desire Men's Conference, September 14th, Troutdale, Oregon, at Harvest Christian Church. This is a one-day event that's gonna be a great time together. We're gonna have food, we're gonna have fellowship, and we're gonna have some great sessions and teachings on sexual integrity, how to create it, how to maintain it, how to live in community the best way we know how. Our featured speaker is Jay Stringer. We also have a sit down with Dr. Ted and other sessions that you guys are going to love. Make sure to register and check out all the info on our website, puredesire.org slash pdmen. We'll see you guys there. Good day to you, listener. This is your host, Trevor Windsor, and you are listening to episode 114 of the Pure Desire podcast. Here with me, as always, is my co-host, Nick Stumbo. Good to the last drop. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I'm I like I'm on the spot right now. I've, I don't know what that is.
1: That is since 1907, a phrase oh that Maxwell House Coffee has used as their slogan. And <laughs> did you know step. some people think that it was originally attributed to Theodore Roosevelt? Uh, but I, I was reading about this today. <laughs> In your research uh, for yeah, your intro? Exactly. A newspaper reported <laughs> that what Theodore Roosevelt actually said is, this is the kind of stuff I drink when I'm hunting bears. Oh, which personally I think would that be a way better a slogan for Maxwell House—the <laughs> kind of stuff you drink with <laughs> yeah. hunting bears. I yeah. want that on a t-shirt or just the for stuff Maxwell that Roosevelt House.
0: drank when, like, that's that's pretty significant. Yeah. Well, uh, this
1: podcast though is going to be good to the last drop. Good
0: to the last drop. So we sat down with the founders, Dr. Ted and Diane Roberts. They're both clinicians, founders uh, of the ministry, and we talked about generational curses.
1: Yeah, we're really taking a look in this episode about the topic of like family of origin issues mm-hmm. and what impact does our, our parents and the, the generations that came before us have on us because we're all, in a lot of ways, we're a byproduct of how yeah. we were raised, yep. both DNA kind of factors and environmental things. And so yep. it's, it's one of those areas, the more we lean into and just get an understanding of, mm-hmm. I think the more God can translate it into health in our lives as we move yep. forward.
0: Yeah. And this is something that we all have in our life. Generational curses are there. So uh, this was a longer conversation with them and we just appreciated their time and their vulnerability and expertise. Yeah.
1: Some real insights
0: into Ted Diane's lives, which is kind of a unique thing. Yep. So enjoy the episode. The founders are in the house. Dr. Ted and Diane, you're back. Welcome.
2: Good to be with you. (laughs) Yeah. So excited.
0: Yeah. Well, as we talked about uh, in the intro, we're talking about generational curses today. And uh, I know for me growing up, this is not language that was used very often, seemed to be very uh, Old Testament. Um, And and so if this is maybe language that you feel like is charismatic or you've never heard before, we're going to really try to make it easy to understand today. Yeah,
1: well, I think it's significant because probably everyone listening can relate to, boy, there's things about me that seem to have been in my parents, and yeah. this runs in our family. We even use that phrase, oh, it runs right. in the family. Right. Uh, but let's let's really unpack what we're talking about here. So, Ted, how would you define a generational curse, and where do we see this coming up in Scripture?
3: Great question. You ask, where do we see this coming up in Scripture? The concept is biblical in its origin. The first place you find generational curses mentioned is in De- Exodus chapter 34, and, and I'll read that. Ted,
2: want me read that. So Moses cut two stones uh, like the former ones, and he rose early in the morning and went up to Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand the two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, O God, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins, yet by no means clearing the guilt but visiting the iniquity of the parents upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation.
3: And that's where you get the concept of generational curses right mm-hmm. there. Now, it's really, this this scripture is so powerful. I mean, it's 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 seismic in its implications. It's such severe stress theologically. Mm-hmm. It leaves a stress fracture running all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, notice it's about the second time Moses went up on top of the mountain. First time one happened,
2: he's at there forty not days.
3: Yeah, not so good. Yeah. Not so good. <laughs> forty days, and all the guys, all the addicts in the in the valley went, "Hey, he's been gone for forty days. God probably killed him." This yeah. tells you their view of what God was. Sure. And so they said, "We're bored. Let's let's party," and the world's greatest relapse took place. One million people fell into <laughs> absolute good. yeah idolatry. Yeah, and that's a great definition of addiction theologically. It's idolatry. Hmm. It's taking something or someone else to meet your Meet your painful needs. Try to medicate your pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rather than taking directly to God and process it. And the the level of denial in us and what was going on was insane. I mean it's just it's incredible. Moses comes off the mountain, he comes up to Aaron, his good buddy, and he says, Hey, what's going on here? How come yeah. everybody's worshiping the calf? Worshiping the calf like we did back in Egypt. Yeah. And what do he say? He said, um, they gave me the gold, I threw it in the fire yeah. and out <laughs> hopped the slam. Yeah. Uh, just this, jumped this, right this, out of this, there. This, this. It's a That's, great story. Yeah, like right. That, yeah. right. <laughs> the denial is great too. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've counseled addicts for thirty years. I never heard denial to that depth. Hmm. It's incredible what it took place. Simply through in the fire and out, came this, out came this. Out came this. Out came this calf. And what's interesting is what Moses does next. He draws a very clear boundary. He says, "Who's for us and who's for the Lord?" Okay, who's against us and who's for the Lord? And they killed three thousand people. Mm-hmm. The um, the, the priest took swords and killed 3,000 people. He's drawing very strong boundaries. Now that's why it's so important if you're a sex addict to really have your inner circle clearly defined. Mm-hmm. And you've got to connect it with some implications because I've noticed that when a guy has a wife who has a strong relapse uh, safety plan, yeah. um, his relapse rate goes to zero because he has consequences with his behavior. Right. And it's really important what Moses did. And next what he did, this is really strange, He took the calf, burned it, and then ground it up and made all the people drink it, Pour it in the water and drink it. What's that about? No, thank you. (laughs) Well, what they discovered is if if you purify gold and you pound it really to the fine sulfur, a fine level, like Moses obviously did because he was really angry, then you get a colloid suspension and the water turns bright red Hmm. and tastes bitter. He's giving an Mm illimic memory. They're remembering the loss of the 3,000 people, how bitter it was, and Mm -hmm. they're connecting with sin. He's rearranging our thinking process. That's what's going on. and But you've got to ask yourself, Well, is Moses saying, you know, I get, I get hammered for what my parents and grandparents did? I get, I get hammered for stuff I didn't even do? Well, you've got to put it in context. What does it say about God? It says, first of all, that he's um, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in kindness. Now, what's taking place here? Before, God says, I'm not going with you to the promised land. And Moses goes, if you're not going, I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. And he says, would you show me your glory? God says, no man will see me face to face, but I'll hide you in a cleft of the rock and I'll pass by and you'll see my backside. His backside is so beautiful. It's just stunning. This, this picture of God's character is the most frequently quoted characteristic of God throughout mm-hmm. the Old and New Testament. Yep. It's really powerful. It's frequent quoting about how good and gracious God is. It's just powerful. And there's two fit in really tension, big tension.
0: So help me understand a little bit, like for someone who, uh, you know, is thinking about a generational curse uh, uh, that being passed down from generation Mm -hmm. to generation. Is that then a struggle that I have had that will be passed down genetically, biologically to my, or is it spiritual? Is it physical? Is it both? What do you think about that?
3: It's a great question. Uh, the, the later prophets, Moses, the first one, a lot of prophets, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, speak specifically generational curses. And Ezekiel says in chapter 18, but Jeremiah says in chapter 31, here's what he has to say.
2: Uh, Jeremiah 31 says, uh, when that time comes, you won't hear the old proverb Anymore. Parents ate the green apples, their children got the stomach ache. Mm, I, the love the, I love the message. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, each person will pay for his own sin. You eat green apples, you're the one that gets sick. That's right. The time is coming when I will make a brand new covenant with Israel and Judah. It won't be a repeat of the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took their hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant even though I did my part as their master. Once
3: again, tremendous grace. Uh, Jeremiah's looking down the corridors of time, and 600 years down the road, he sees the Messiah coming. There's so only one question you need to answer when you're dealing with generational curse. It's the same question Pontius Pilate asked the crowd. What shall we do with this man called Jesus, the Messiah? That's a critical question. Well, uh, Ted, you want to help me understand how this all fits together? How do I put together Exodus chapter 34 and Jeremiah? How do I put those two together? Well, let me answer the question theologically and then I'll answer it practically. Theologically, um, when you look at the greatest delineation of the gospel which is the book of Romans Paul's delineation in chapter 5 chapter 6 chapter 7 helps you understand what the two fit together he understands and he makes it very clear that the problem of sin and death is corporate not individual mm-hmm. it's huge How that's the other two fit together well he puts it understandably he said for one man's sin entered the world and through that sin death entered
0: Right.
3: so your family is, is really the issue it's not all a all the skeletons you've got in your closet. Mm-hmm. Your family goes much deeper back than you ever thought. yeah' we just go all the way back to your great, 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 great granddaddy, Adam. Yeah, All the way back there. So far it goes back. And, and then the one man's obedience will bring freedom, which is Christ. So the issue is Jesus Christ. That's theologically what the, the two have to fit together, the corporate and the individual. Mm-hmm. Salvation is always an individual decision, but the implications of sin are corporate. And the practical implication is this. Um, they did some long-term longitudinal studies of alcoholics and alcoholics always run in families, mm-hmm. no question about that. And you look at sex addicts, 90% of sex addicts they have, when you look at their family history, they have at least one addict in their family close mm-hmm. range to them, another's close by. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean there's all sex addicts, It may be food addicts, but right. alcoholics, alcohol, fill in blank. Yeah. And 90% of sex addicts have someone in their family that's an addict And 78% of sex addicts come from rigid, disengaged homes. So what's the generational curse? It's the way you think. Hmm. It's communicated to your kids. Yeah. The way you you think. And new discoveries in epigenetics, which is a big, fancy term. Mm -hmm. Epi is a Greek term, which means around or over. Genetics is the gene. And so what we are talking about is they discovered that there's actually, the DNA doesn't determine what your future is going to be because there's a protein – sheath sleeve that fits around the DNA, and a protein sleeve, epi, which means around or over, it's talking about that. A protein sleeve determines which genes are actually firing, which are gonna respond to the environment you're involved in. And here's a a fascinating thing. The gene determines which genes will actually trigger, and it goes to the third or fourth generation. Interesting. Yeah. Scripture is exactly right.
0: You know, one of the things um, that I remember uh, very vividly from the Conquer series, yes. um, and I believe it's Tim Jennings right. uh, who says it that um, that idea that if you don't want to pass on curses, don't have children, and mm. that idea of you know, and there is an argument that it's like it's my body, I can do what I want, and mm-hmm. I love. He's just like not unless you want to have kids, because right. if you have kids, then it's going to get passed down. And I just hear it every time. If you've seen the Conquer series, you know what clip I'm talking about. Yeah, right. Like your kids, your great your grandkids, your great grandkids. Right. So yeah, I appreciate that.
1: Mm-hmm. He that also said
2: that that you can turn it off. Yeah, and you can it turn it right. on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. And so that's the key is turning it off. Right. And get some
1: hopefulness out of it. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. and I like in what you're saying, Ted, because I think it's a, a principle that we, we work really hard at pure desire to underscore that that when we come to faith in Christ, there there are things that immediately are ours, that in a theological right. sense, mm-hmm. in an eternal sense, yep. our yes. salvation, our freedom, the price that's been paid for us, that we have those right now. Right before we've ever done a single thing other than receiving what Christ has done. But at the same time, that doesn't mean there is um, an automatic changing of our thought processes or a renewing of those epigenetic processes in our DNA. And so I think when we're talking about this generational curse idea, that 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 might be a, a balance that can help someone think through this is, when it comes to curses um, on a theological level, immediately through Christ, those are broken, that, mm-hmm. that we are set free from the power of the curse and of sin. Yeah. But there's still a physical dynamic yep. to our fallenness yep. and our brokenness right, yeah. yep. that Christ is still in the process of redeeming. And so really I, that's kind of how I process it and think through it, that, that I have the power to break that physical curse over mm-hmm. me because of what Christ has done, mm-hmm. but I still have some work to do to enter mm-hmm. into that Renewing my mind, or breaking yeah. off the curses, or mm-hmm. as you said, Diane, turning those the, the proper genes on to right. now pass on blessing yes. to the but, next
3: generation. Yeah. Right. Yes, yeah. The way the way to see it theologically is what Paul has to say. Romans chapter six, he says, "Hey, I'm a new creature in Christ. All yeah. things have passed away. All things are new." But in Romans seven, he says, "What? I keep what doing do what I don't, don't want to do. do." Yeah, right. Well, how do you fit those two together? Yeah. People say the answer is Romans chapter eight. Yeah, but Romans chapter eight is the longest chapter in the whole book of Romans. And it's very intense, and if you listen closely, you'll understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. He delineates what's going on, he says, all creation's looking for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God, standing on tiptoes. That means it's a process. Mm-hmm. So salvation is instantaneous, but transformation is a process. Right. Yeah, you yeah.
2: really you have to go to Romans 12 too, the renewing yeah. of the mind. Right. Yeah. Right.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And you see the, the scientific practical implications of the generational curses. Mm-hmm. Emory University took a bunch of mice and they took the mice and they put an odor in their cage and then they give them electrical shock. Mm-hmm. So they connected the odor with the shock. Guess when? When they had children or puppies, pups, is what they're called. Yeah. They had the same response, even though they never, yeah, never heard that. Yeah. I never heard, never, never see the shock, or yeah. had felt the, the shock, or had smelled the odor, mm-hmm. uh, odor. So once they get the odor and bam, they started having the same emotional reaction that their yeah. parents had. Yeah. And Holocaust survivors, their grandkids. The same cortisol level. This, That's pregnancy. crazy. That's crazy. And what's nuts is they took uh, 1,700 women who experienced the 9 11 experience, mm-hmm. and the ones that had PTSD, their children had the same cortisol mm-hmm. level. What happens is that wow. in the uterus, the child is mm-hmm. that so That environment. Yeah. So- right. Environment. Yeah. It's it it right communicated yeah. to yeah. them. So the choices you make and habits you develop are going to be passed on and expressed in your kids. Yeah. So I lean over to clients every time I say, listen, if you don't deal with this, I guarantee you'll yep. be passed on to your kids yeah. and your grandkids. Yeah. That's a given. Yeah. And they may not turn out to be a sex addict like you are. Yeah. They'll be a workaholic. They'll be a religious addict. Yeah. They'll be some kind of addict. The way you think will be passed on to your kids. Right. You can't avoid it.
2: For Ted and I, I think the, well, for me personally, the first time I recognized mm. generational curses when was when my daughter was eight years old and she was being really critical and negative. Mm she had made a commitment to Christ when she was five or six. So she was really critical of people that hadn't, but didn't put the two together. And so, you know, I said, where is that coming from? Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, you know, my grandmother was really critical and negative, and my mom was really uh, Mm -hmm. judgmental and negative. Mm -hmm. It must have skipped a generation. generation.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's what of course. <laughs> yeah. Denial's great. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, it's great. Well, it's and great. isn't
1: that the truth? Uh, I think maybe particularly in something like a generational curse, it's a lot easier to see through the window in someone else's life. 100%. I mean, I I yes. think as a pastor, the number of guys that sat in my office and. You know, they they swore and promised they would never be like their dad, especially if they had a negative example in their life. And, right. like, and, and I would exactly just look like into that. life. Yep. See, you've, you you yep. are turning out in your determination not to be like him. <laughs> yes. You're so blind to how you're becoming just like him. Exactly. And it's, and it's a humbling reminder for all of us. This is an area again that speaks to our need for community, mm-hmm. speaks to our need to be willing to listen to our yep. spouses, and yep. to really say what you know what's in my family. Right. What's been happening in my dad and my grandpa that is reoccurring in my life, and and I might be blind to see it because it's just become part of my yeah. fabric of how I do life. But if I'm yeah. willing to see it, there's yeah. some unhealth that God could redeem there. So uh,
0: let me ask a quick question, a clarifying question, because I you talk about your daughter yeah. and talking about like your your grandma and your mom, and then you just mentioned your dad and your grandfather. So if I'm a man, do I get things from my mom as well? Like is it because I'm just saying, the examples you're giving yeah. are gender specific, but right. are there still things that if my mom was critical and I'm critical, that yeah. that's still there? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's a family system. Got it. Right. So yeah. you're going to pick up yeah. right. different things. I mean, there's some men in our counseling office that say, I'll never be like my mom. She was yeah. blah, blah, blah. Right. She'd get angry off right. the page. while well, he's really angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, frequently will
3: mm-hmm. happen. You'll have emotional uh, seduction of the child by the mother. There'll be emotional mm-hmm. incest is taking place because yeah. dad's not there. So the child yeah. becomes a substitute. Yeah. That yeah. really messes with guys. Yeah, dad's. he becomes angry because right. he's mm-hmm. become
2: that emotional mm-hmm. substitute. Right. Yeah.
0: Okay, so uh, obviously, if you've been listening thus far, we're explaining a little bit of what they are um, and giving some personal examples, which is always really helpful. So let's say that we have a listener out there who... Um, sees that there's brokenness in their life mm-hmm. and aren't sure if that's a generational curse right. or, or what it is. So how do we, how do we know we have a generational curse that is playing out in me? And mm-hmm. then also if you have children, is playing out in all your right. kids.
2: Well, I think um, just recognizing, first of all, generational curses uh, are fear. They're fear that we carry. Mm-hmm. And if your parents, like we've had so many couples where the husband says, I, I've always feared being poor because my parents were poor. And so sometimes you can pick up on attitudes and ways of thinking and fear.
3: what that does, that's the same what's happening is your limbic system is being trained by yourself. Right. I mean, you're six years of age.
0: So it's just a knee-jerk reaction, this is
3: how it's right. wired. Right, so it's yeah. picked up in the limbic system. At and that's why, early that's why human yeah. experiences are yeah. crucial. Okay.
2: Yeah, So, but the hard part is, first of all, recognizing. Mm-hmm. And as you see patterns, and that's why we encourage you to, uh, look at your family of origin. Right. And ten. one of the things we encourage is the FACES evaluation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this yeah. is
3: one of the three ways that you break generational curses.
2: Is just discovering what is, uh, hap- what's happened in my family of origin. Yeah. And as you take the FACES, that really helped me break a lot of denial. Ted, who was raised by uh, seven stepdads, Alcoholic mom. He took the faces evaluation, which is an evaluation of how rigid and, and disengaged, disengaged your, family. your family of origin yeah.
3: is. 70 percent of addicts come right. from rigid, disengaged homes. Right.
2: So he took it, and of course he scored the one two, the the bottom of the barrel, one two club, baby. <laughs> Out of right. eight, he yeah. scored yeah. a one two. two. Yeah. And so he says, "Well, here." You take it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so as I took it, I thought, oh, my parents were married for 50 years, no alcohol. Yes. Uh They, They had good Christian ethics, even though they weren't Christians. And guess what? I scored a one-two. Yeah,
3: I know she'd do that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was because my mom
2: was such a perfectionist, mm-hmm. and yeah. I became a real pleaser, yeah. and there was no emotional connection. Yeah. So it's it's how you're, it, it may look totally different on the outside, right. mm-hmm. and yet you can be similar yeah. with how you were raised and the thinking. Yeah. That you're thinking that it is rigid and disengaged. So
0: you're describing like a a motivation, a fear, a motivational like fear that's pushing you, and it may not. So if my dad was, let's say, he was an alcoholic, uh, my motivational fear from growing up with that may manifest into something completely different. But that doesn't mean a generational curse isn't there, right? Right. That it's that be, could still it's a be a result yeah. of. Right. In yeah. other
2: words, sometimes the yeah. reaction can be look different, but it's similar because. Mm-hmm. Probably the alcoholism was created by certain fears and it was gotcha. passed down, but you yep. figured out other ways to survive right. rather than alcohol.
3: What you're talking about as a generational curse is programming the limbic system that sets you up because 80% of the decisions you make on a daily basis, you do it subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the limbic system. You're yep. not even thinking about bam, bam, bam. Right. That's programming you're setting you up.
1: Yeah. One, well, as we've said, on a lot of the podcasts how that limbic system is in place by six years of age. So a lot of this is happening very early in life before we're really having conscious memories of these things. But what it says to me is that willingness we all need to have to be an investigator of our own lives, right. yeah. to, to have a thoughtful look at our past. And I think sometimes Christians are hesitant to do this because it feels like I'm dishonoring, you know, my father and mother, like I'm disobeying right. scripture. Okay. But just to, to remind our listeners, we're not looking to cast blame. Yeah. We're not looking to shift responsibility onto no. the generations before us but we're looking to have understanding. We're looking to to recognize patterns there. And so, you know, just asking questions of our parents, like what was your relationship like with your dad? What do you remember about your grandparents when you were around them? Mm -hmm. What was their home like? How did they make you feel? And, Mm -hmm. and trying to listen with that discerning ear of what kind of messages did my parents learn and what did I likely learn? And, Mm -hmm. and I think as, as you have that Uh, approach of just I'm just trying to understand the way my family impacted me some of those things rise to the surface and then that's where your spouse also can be very helpful to say uh, you know in an argument you never want to say oh you're just like your mom or you're just like your dad (laughs) not a good obviously big (laughs) no-nos but in a meaningful conversation to sit with your spouse and say what do you recognize in my family that Mm -hmm. that I'm just uh, you know chip off the old block Block. where do you see me repeating what I don't like about my parents and And they'll know it because it probably bugs them, but you them. need to give them that freedom to speak into it yeah. and know that they're, you're not gonna jump down their throat when when they mention those things, but oh. they can really help you see maybe what mm-hmm. you're not seeing. Right.
2: I think uh, another powerful thing that we've found is when we have uh, clients who need to confront their parents yeah. and say, I want a better relationship, I right. want an adult relationship, but I have to share mm-hmm. what's happened to me because I felt emotionally disconnected from you. Yeah, and we had one uh, uh, young pastor who took his dad out to right. coffee mm-hmm. and he just read his letter. And yeah. as he read his letter, and it, you know, it's yeah. thank you for all you've put into me. Mm-hmm. This was my yeah. struggle, but I really want a good relationship. Yeah. So as he shared the letter, tears, tears. were coming down the dad's face. Yeah. And he said, I could have written mm-hmm.
3: that my, my to my, my own dad. Well, yeah. Yeah. and we're not blaming our parents but what no. we're trying to do is reclaim what hell stole from us because they're there used to be perfect parents. They write books when they don't have kids. Yeah. Once you have kids, you realize there are no perfect parents. <laughs> Every one of you screwed up your kids. I should have written a book before yeah. we had our kid. Okay, got
2: okay. yeah. it. It's it's too late. Now. Yeah. About it. I love that he was willing to talk to his dad because <laughs> what is he doing? Before it was all secret, yeah. it was never talked mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Right. He's right. beginning to break that generational curse yeah. by confronting it. And that
0: is yeah. so hard. It's right. so, yeah. and I. It, what's interesting to me is even as you're describing it, that i feel like this is what's happened for me because i you know as you get older you get to see your parents are not as perfect as you maybe thought they were, right. um, but I think that even and this is what I, I know to be true about Satan is that he'll take Scripture and twist it and make sure that you misunderstand the actual practical application of it. So, like, honor your parents, right? Children, obey your parents, for it'll be well for you, right? What does that
3: mean right? You say they're always right, or you're going to die Well, already? but see,
0: that's that's the thing is like you you listened to that passage and you think I'm dishonoring my parents if I'm like, hey, some things that you did really hurt me. I have responded this way. Because because of that, and I wanna restore a relationship, but I want you to see how things impacted me. Right. That, as, and this is the thing, I've been deceived at times where I feel like Satan's like tweaking that to say, mm-hmm. no, you can't say something because that's dishonoring, that's disrespecting, you need to obey them, you need to honor them. And what I'm hearing you guys say is it's not that, that no. there are healthy ways to have conversations with your parents in a way that's not blaming them, but is identifying what happened. And, and when you identify it, then you can have conversations about right. it and move forward.
3: What the scripture basically is telling you is a significant impact your parents have on your life. Mm -hmm. That's what You have to understand, if you honor your parents, you realize they significantly trained you how to live life. Right. And you've got to identify those places where they're off and Mm -hmm. those places where you need to say thank you, Dad. But you've got to understand how significant your parents are to you. Yeah. And seeing
2: those patterns is honoring your parents because you're saying this had a huge impact Mm -hmm. Mm good or bad right it had a good it had a huge
3: that's what scripture basically means Mm. well i
1: I think that's a principle that goes with this that we should point out that if if we're really looking to address generational curses Mm -hmm. in our life and in what we pass on to our kids it's going to work best if you are in a place of growth yourself if if you're trying to absolutely um, experience personal transformation Mm -hmm. you're asking for help in you know dealing with other areas of your life versus if this is just kind of like a self-help thing right. that you're going to do to make yourself feel better. And you're not really yeah. humble yeah. to your own journey mm-hmm. and what God's doing. In it. You're, right. you're probably not going to get very far, but if, if you're in a place, and that's why I think as we see here at Pure Desire, it's the couples that come in for counseling that are really leaning into those generational curses because they're seeing it in the story mm-hmm. of their own addiction, their family of origin issues. And so I think I'd give that encouragement to anyone too. If you're really trying to understand where are those generational curses at, you probably can't just go after this issue all by itself in isolation. No, it right. it needs to be part of recognizing how you're wired, developing self-awareness, facing reality in your life at all costs, being honest with the group. Right. You know, so many of those things that happen. So,
2: yeah, I right. think the greatest help for us was in that faces evaluation which can be found at the yeah. end of Connected and also in the mm-hmm. Betrayal and Beyond. Yep. I'm we'll sure you'll make yep. it available too, right. but yep. You know, how do you measure if there's a change? change yeah. In mm-hmm. other words, we want to change, but how do you measure, measure it? it? And so Ted and I realized we were first generation Christians. First generation, yeah. We didn't know how to parent. Yep. Both of yeah, us clear. came from very dysfunctional families. Mm-hmm. And so would you your th- score? What was your score? (laughs) A one-two. That's right. Competitive side's coming out. I like this. This Yeah. So, so what we did is we looked at the thirty questions Mm -hmm. that led us to that one-two, and we said, okay, what are the things that we want to change? Like number two is Number two is um, I didn't feel like my opinions mattered. Mattered. Sure. And so, how do we go down those things that we experienced and changed it? Yeah. So Ted and I, for five years, purposed to say this is how we're going to do family.
3: We looked at where we are scored low and we started to Just do the right opposite. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah.
2: and Lord, how do we do it? Because yeah. we no. never yeah. saw it done for us. Yeah. And so we purposed to do that for five years. And uh, our kids were in... Uh, grade school and junior high oh, right. when we started. So, you know, just to encourage parents, it's never too late, late. wherever you start. Yeah,
0: right. yeah.
2: And so then Nikki was headed for college and Brian was coming into high school. So we said, here, oh, take oh, this oh, test God. on your family of <laughs> oh, origin. Oh, <laughs> That's scary. Um. So in five years, they both scored one point away from 70, which mm. is, 70, 80 is the 70, top score, which is, and so we went in one generation, generation in five years, yeah. From a one, two, two to two, a six, so almost a seven. Nine, nine, nine. So it's measurable. Our grandkids gonna yeah.
3: score tens. Yeah. There you go. But but it's so
2: good to see something measurable. Yeah, yeah. for you sure. Know, whether it's Absolutely. the father's tears yeah. or your kids right. uh, seeing you differently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's well, really. And we're
1: gonna we're gonna talk more about what does this healing look mm-hmm. like or that change. But before we jump completely into that. Maybe for a few of our listeners, there's a bit of this, yeah, but what about me? If, if they grew up uh, in an adoptive family or they grew up without one of their parents, maybe they're feeling, is it hopeless for me to know any generational curses? Because I don't even know the generations before me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what would you recommend to someone who's maybe been adopted or without a parent? Are they more influenced by whoever raised them? Or is it in the DNA that someone that maybe they don't know, but contributed DNA to their life? So you hear what and, I'm saying? I'm
3: both in, and, and I was adopted from birth. So I have no background in who my parents are. Yeah. I've never met them, never known who they are. So what we're done and just talking about directly applies to that question.
2: Yeah, when our son, uh, I don't know, he did something rebellious. I don't yeah. even remember what it Brian was. Brian did
3: something Very, rebellious. Oh yes. yes, can you believe? If you're and
2: listening to this, Brian, shame on yes. you. Yes, <laughs> no, no shame. <laughs> no shame. Um, but I'll never forget, and, you know, it, it was it was not part of his character mm-hmm. and so ted went in and said you know let's talk about this yeah. Yeah. and then he said son is there something that i'm doing that's mm. contributing mm, to, that? to this behavior yeah. mm-hmm. and they had a great talk and yeah. but what i saw in ted was a humility yep. and you know when we first got married he was very prideful yeah. and he had to be in order to Stay survive alive. the military, one hundred percent, right? 100%. <laughs> 100%. right. <laughs> survive yeah. Vietnam, right?
3: strap a you plan and go against yeah. another guy, you got to believe in that, yeah, for sure. But it was
2: kind of the fulfillment of the opposite of what I saw in him. In other words, a lot of our um, the curses are something that we kind of project to protect ourselves. Yeah, it's
3: called protective personalities. Yeah, and so, so
2: for Ted, you know that being prideful i'm i'm going to live through this which was good in the military but you get to seminary yeah oh. where everybody's holy
3: and you sound like a sore thumb
2: yes and i remember being with a couple oh. we just went out with another seminary couple and ted was being so prideful i was literally sliding sl- sliding under the seat, <laughs> under the seat thinking oh today? i can't believe he's saying this and I, you know that That's never great. stood out in the military but boy in seminary sure mm-hmm. it, it was yeah. horrible it was so prideful oh. so i i Was going to talk to him immediately when we got home, and the Lord said, "No, I want you to go pray." Mm -hmm. So I started praying, and I said, "God, Ted was so embarrassing. You've got to—I feel so embarrassed. You've got to change him." him. And God said, "I'm sorry. I don't change people because you're embarrassed."
3: Yeah.
2: I said, "Oh shucks. Well, um, (laughs) you know, we are in seminary, and you're calling him to be a humble servant of the the Lord. Lord." And Lord said, "I do change people because of the calling mm-hmm. that them. I have on them." Yeah, yeah. And so what I saw, and of course, you know, God started changing him through I'll that. Talk about that in a second. <laughs> but but that's what I saw is that humility. Yeah. In other words, there was something from his past. Mm-hmm that caused that curse of pride mm-hmm. and yet because of the calling yeah. that God had on him yeah. it was like as as Ted began to be obedient and what did God have you do to wow. be obedient it's really to that true interesting
3: any wife who's struggling with their husband you want to pray in light of not your embarrassment over him but in light of their calling that's crucial mm. <laughs> it's good
2: and so so I started praying and within 3 days three he days. came I'm and said
3: the- I'm walking across uh, in the commons in the seminary. The guy says, what do you got that flight jacket on for? I said, well, it's, it's, uh, I can't afford jackets. I, you know, that's all I got. Yeah. I said, no, it's you're afraid. Hmm. The flight jacket? Hmm. Yeah. i so, in the commons and going, yeah, there's a patch right here. It says I'm a combat veteran. Over here, i served Vietnam, carrier pilot. Look how bad I am. Yeah. I was afraid because I was in all the seminary guys. These guys had 500 pound Bibles. I had a little little green living Bible. Yeah. I mean, a free Gideon's Bible. Bible, Right, which
0: again is a self protection, which you were talking about. It's protecting the identity I think I have or that
3: brings value. Yeah, so I came home and I said, honey, God talked to me. And I was
2: thrilled. (laughs) Gee, three days and God already answered my prayer.
3: (laughs) And God said, you can go out and buy some clothes. So I said, I got to go buy some new clothes, to drive them, ride or motorcycle. I should try that. Like, yeah. hey, babe, God's God. Told yeah, I well, well, need to go only, buy
0: some new clothes. Yeah, not only a jacket
2: <laughs> to ride the motorcycle, but he needed new boots. Staying and over. guess what? That triggered in me. Hmm. My parents always scrimped and, and you know, money yeah. was really sure, tight. Sure, and sure. I, I thought, no way is this the answer to my prayer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> guess what? When God starts messing with your spouse, he starts messing, messing with, with you. you. And this was a generational curse, curse for me. me. Yeah. And so as, and the Lord said, this is the answer to your prayer. And he said, you know, I would have liked God to just, uh, you know, just stop, make him stop talking that way. Right. Yeah, of course. Like cutting off the dandelion. And God says, no, I'm going to the root. And the Mm, root is pride. Mm, And as Ted began to shed Mm. all those things that were that protection, Mm that humility that calling mm-hmm. came forth yeah
1: yeah well ted we're, we're glad you're a work in progress yeah, yeah man, <laughs> appreciate appreciate those stories from your past and, you know what i hear you saying back to the original question about if someone is adopted or doesn't know their parents mm-hmm. th- the message i hear you saying is you know work with what you've got work yeah. with what you can yeah. see and right. the truth is we've all got plenty there right. that i i can see there is something here <laughs> yes. i'm not entirely sure maybe if it came from you know, where in my family, but but to work on that and not worry about the right. like in your story, Ted, the parents you didn't know, the the mm. dads you didn't know. Right. But look at what you can see and allow God to work with you there and and create yeah. that change. That's crucial because
3: I was raised in a charismatic movement, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> um, Pentecostal craziness, and part of our teachers were. Derek Prince was, you know, high and holy guy, mm-hmm. and he taught that you had to understand all the family curses and renounce them specifically. Yeah, I'm like, well, what do I do? I don't know. Good never, luck. Never yeah, I'm lost. Yeah, but the problem is, It can't answer. You have to have God to show what's really going mm-hmm. on in your heart. Yeah. You see what the problem is.
0: And here's what's interesting, too. I think, and I think you guys, you know, I've tiptoed around this a little bit that you cannot do that without other people in your life right. because I think that I what exactly, like they, in a lot of ways, act as a mirror that I mm-hmm. see my brokenness being played out in this relationship yeah. and therefore can identify what it is. Yeah. And you can't do that by yourself.
2: Yeah. No. Well, I love scripture because that's exactly what Peter was struggling with. Remember on the day of Pentecost? Well, first of all, Uh, that when Jesus, right before he was crucified, this little handmaiden uh, caused Peter to cuss and deny Christ. Mm -hmm. And yet Christ says, you're a rock. This is your Mm -hmm. calling. But there must have been some kinds of insecurity in him because he was buckled by this handmaiden. And yet on the day of Pentecost, when he received the Holy Spirit, boom,
3: so all of a
2: sudden he stood in front of 3000 3, people, people and he was able goodness. to declare yeah. Yeah. so yeah. it was like, gonna lead like the right. holy spirit helps us to see who we really are yeah. and and yet with all of that and let me let me just share with my daughter too because this ties in when i recognize that spirit of negative critical yeah. spirit um You know, I knew what to do. First, you recognize that you repent. And so I went to my daughter. I said, honey, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. You know, I have passed this on to you. And we need to come against this because that's not who we Mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. And so we prayed. I repented. We held each other accountable. And you know what? It was broken for two weeks.
3: At least two weeks. (laughs) It was wonderful for two weeks right now. Yeah, and then all of a sudden (laughs) that
2: started coming back that critical spirit. Mm. And I said, God, I am trying really hard not to be critical. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's the problem. I don't give you grace to not not be something. something. I give you grace to become who I've called you to be. And like Ted was called to be a humble servant of the Lord. And so I said, well, God, who have you called me to be? And he took me to Galatians 5.22. And that's a great place to look at the calling that God has. You know, uh, love, joy. the Spirit, right. Peace, yeah. patience, kindness. Mm-hmm. And it was like kindness just jumped out, and God mm-hmm. says, I've called you to be a gracious woman of God.
3: And that's very important. Fruit of the Spirit is something the enemy can never counterfeit. Yeah. Gives the Spirit, he can. Sure. So he has no fruit. That's great. No, no peace, no patience. He can, you know, he can drive nuts just by right. being patient. Yeah. You can drive him into counseling. That kind of that's good.
2: Yeah. So once I saw that, and I said, God, I, I don't know how to be gracious. I wasn't raised with that. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit said, if you surrender this to me, Mm -hmm. when you come to those places, those forks in the road, Mm -hmm. you can go with the flesh, which Uh is being critical and negative, Mm -hmm. or you can walk in the spirit, which is being gracious. Mm -hmm. That's what walking in the spirit is. Mm -hmm. It's a mindset of, am I going to do it according to God's spirit, or am I going to walk in the flesh? Mm -hmm. So think about, peter on the day of pentecost i mean boom he just had a miraculous you know anointing to speak to that many people but what happened in galatians Mm -hmm. in galatians paul talking about those people around us that can call us on it Mm -hmm. paul said to peter he said what a hypocrite you are when those gentiles those heavies i mean when the heavies came down from jerusalem james the brother of jesus and all those oh, okay. you moved away from the gentiles you were eating with mm-hmm. and you pretended you weren't anywhere near them yeah. and you even got barnabas to do that with you mm. what happened to peter all of a sudden from day of pentecost and then now in galatians and I realized it in my own life when I saw it in Peter's life. what had happened to Peter right before that, he had a vision. And God says, "You have a new calling, and your calling is to the Gentiles." Mm-hmm. And you know, I ten years down the road, after I started following the Lord with that kindness, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, Boom, there it was again. I was being negative and critical. Mm. And I said, God, and of course the enemy is saying, see, it only had a 10-year warranty. Right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two <Yeah>. weeks <laughs> right. or 10 so? years.
3: Yeah,
0: expiration yeah. date on yeah. that. Yeah, and,
2: and, but the Lord took me to Isaiah where it says that God stretches the borders of our tent. And God says, Diane, you fortified this area as a teacher, as a mom, but I've just moved you into ministry. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Those insecurities, those generational curses are going to start to try to rise up Mm. because you don't know what to do in this new ministry path. Right. And Peter had a new ministry to Mm. the Gentiles. So all of a sudden, he was faced with that uh, insecurity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And You know, where's that rock? So he had to reclaim it. And in Acts chapter 15, we see he did because he stands in front Mm -hmm. of uh, the men in Jerusalem, the leaders in Jerusalem, and says, You know, we baptize the Gentiles. And their hearts were cleansed like ours. Therefore, they need to be a part of the fold. So, yeah. s- somewhere he yeah. refortified that area. Yeah. Came against whatever generational curse yeah. he was dealing with. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Well, it speaks to that this is a process. It right? is. It's a journey. It's not yeah, it just is. one time we declare. Right. Which I think we want to do as Christians, right? Like I just declare freedom over these curses, like you said, Ted, mm-hmm. in your Boom. background, Instant right? <laughs> name yeah. them and claim, and now I'm yeah. free. And and there might be a sense of like relief from that, but. But there is a, a walking in this new way that we have to stay in. And that, that right. definitely is a process yeah. that occurs over time.
0: Which you were starting to get to with Nikki and going and having that conversation. So let's, let's flesh that out. Once you've identified it, uh, whether that's through relationship or you're just starting to see patterns in your life, right. you've identified the curse. What does it look like to begin breaking them? Right. What does that look like?
2: Okay, well, I had to ask for forgiveness, mm-hmm. even though it didn't start with me. Right. And I didn't even know the source till years later. Yeah. I found out that my grandmother was a socialite in San Francisco and she married my grandfather and she had to move to San Bernardino, California. And she was really mad. She was really angry. Mm. All her life, she disdained her in-laws because she Mm. had to move Mm -hmm. away from, and that's where that critical spirit, now maybe her parents had one, but Uh, in other words, I realized one, you know, I didn't even know the source until I started putting all the pieces. But you have to own your part of it. Exactly, Exactly. so for me to go to Nikki and repent, Mm -hmm. and I said, we need to break the power of this curse, and so we renounce that spirit, uh, that critical, negative, judgmental spirit, We said,
0: talk me through that for a second because I like again, I didn't grow up with that. Like, when you say renounce, what is that? Like, tell me what that means. Jesus,
2: I repent of the fact that I passed this on to my daughter. Got it. I didn't start it, but I passed it right on to her, not even realizing it. And so, God, I thank you that your blood covers that. And I renounce it in the name of Jesus. Now, the part that I missed. And, and, you know, it kept coming back and Mm -hmm. I couldn't figure out why was that I needed to reclaim what God had in mind when he created me Uh, and it was to be a woman that was gracious. Mm. So the second part, once I realized that I, I, and I said, I rebuke this. I, um, I renounce it in the name of Jesus and I receive that spirit of kindness and graciousness because Mm -hmm. that's who you called me to be. And God, I don't know how to walk in that. But I know your spirit does because that's a fruit of the spirit.
0: Which we talk about all the time in our ministry, on the podcast. It's not just stopping a behavior. It's replacing it with a positive behavior, with walking in the the spirit. right? And
2: really reclaiming. In other Mm -hmm. words... You know, I tell people, wait on the Lord. Ask him who he's mm-hmm. called he's you to be. To be. Right. The most important not thing do. you ever do in
3: your life is to see yourself the way God sees you. Yeah. That determines everything. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And, you know, Peter, you're a rock. Diane, you're a gracious woman of God. Mm-hmm. Ted, you're a humble servant of the Lord. Those are not natural ways to walk. They're supernatural. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have to call upon the supernatural yeah. to help and us to walk. Sometimes. Out.
3: The struggle is birthed out of real pain. That's produced producing your life, yeah. And you make a vow out of the pain, yeah. And that sets your course. And you've got to renounce that vow because it's a self curse. Mm-hmm. Classic one in my life. Uh, it showed up in the car series. They did a good job of it. It was the toughest scene they had to shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was being beat by my stepfather. Got tired of being here and decided he was going to drown her. Took her in the bathtub. Threw her in the drown her in the bathtub. I was a young kid, about 120 pounds, of ring of wet. My stepfather's about 285 big guy and he backhanded me when I went in to protect my mom mm-hmm. knocked me down the hallway and he got on me real quick I started to get up and he was right on me and punched me in the face knocked me in my room blood's gushing out of my mouth mm-hmm. I started to get up I still remember the floor was old yellow you know a little floor mm-hmm. and he looked at me and pointed at me he said you get up I'll kill you well I'm not, I'm not stupid I'm not getting up but I made a vow in that moment I never let another man treat me that way Right. that's why sports were not about sports they were beating other men yep and the military, is not just about serving the country; it's about killing other men. Mm. That made me an angry man for forty years. I live with that curse. I put it on myself and announce it mm. and get rid of it. Yeah. Sometimes you bring yourself into a cursed dimension because of your pain. You get angry and you make a curse. You right. are yourself. You yeah. gotta break those suckers.
1: Yeah, yeah. We say I will, I will never be hurt again. Yeah. But we're closing ourselves off from relationship. Right. Yep. Yep. Or I will never fail again. And right. we're closing ourselves off from trying right. or from putting yes. ourselves in a risky yes. kind of faith-filled place. I, you know, I will never, um, mm-hmm. I will never lose something again. And then we become right. controlling and protective. Yep. And, I I think we do that to ourselves more than we realize. And so just encouraging one another to Mm -hmm. listen to what what are the messages we've said to ourselves. And then really surrendering those to God and allowing him to break that power over us. Also,
2: what are the messages that others have said over you? I'll Mm -hmm. never forget counseling a gal who said, my dad said I'd never make anything of myself. All I could do was sing. And... I you know as we began to pray God gave me a picture and it was this this curse that he had placed over her she had a hard time keeping jobs yep. you know i mean it was literally yeah. like it was holding her back and i i saw out of heaven it was like this hand coming down and this curse that had been placed over us over her and i saw it like the lord was just crumbling it was mm. it was stone right. and now it was crumbling and then i saw him put his banner of love over her, over her rather mm. than that curse mm. so having a new picture of who god's sees us yeah. that we're very yeah. capable. Yeah. Just the opposite of what maybe has been spoken over us. Mm-hmm. Or we have picked up and sure. have been speaking to ourselves. Yep. Summarize
3: everything we said so far, how do you break the curse? We give you a first step is understanding is the enemy's coming at you in a stealth mode. You can't see what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And you begin to take up the attitude your parents have right. or be wounded and take a vow. Yeah. You've got to see it and then renounce it. There's two other steps we need to take but we don't have time for this session to do it. Yeah. We will do another episode. We will.
2: What's really powerful, too, is to realize that there's um, no—God can work on the next generation, too. Uh, You know, when uh, my granddaughter was about five, six years old, I asked my daughter, I said, honey, you know, what could we have done differently? You are parenting so well. Yeah. I mean, they were miles ahead oh, of gosh. us, <laughs> you know, and I said, I am amazed at your parenting. And, and so what could I have done differently? And she pointed to, she didn't know it was number two on the FACES evaluation, but she said, mom, at times I felt like my opinion didn't, didn't matter. matter. Hmm. Yeah. And I went, oh, my gosh, that was one of the ones we were supposed to be working on. (laughs) And I repented, but I, I didn't know what that looked like to her. Yeah. And so, you know, I said, God, show me. I, you know, I apologize, because I know I must have done it, but I mm-hmm. don't know what that looked like. And so we had a women's event shortly after that, and my daughter came in, really disheveled And I said, what's wrong? And she said, well, I was trying to put Ashley, my granddaughter, in, in childcare, and she just didn't want to go. So after the event, Ashley comes in waving this wonderful craft. And I thought, oh, a teachable moment. And so she comes running up and showing me this. I said, oh, Ashley, aren't you glad you went? You didn't want to go. And you went. And look how God blessed you. And I had this wonderful teachable moment. And I got home that night. And it was like God bringing out the HGTV (laughs) and, you know, big. replay. And he started showing me. He said, Ashley was trying to tell you something, Mm -hmm. and you were talking right over her. Mm -hmm. That's what you did with your daughter. You had all these wonderful, teachable moments,
3: Mm -hmm. and you
2: weren't listening to her. And so I called my granddaughter, and I said, Ashley, let's get together. And I said, "Uh, honey, you were trying to tell me something the other night. What were you trying to tell me? And big tears came down her face, and she said, Grammy, she said, I had never been in that room before. I'd never seen that teacher, and I didn't know any of the kids, and I was really scared. Mm -hmm. And I said, honey, I'm so sorry. I've been in places where I've been scared, too. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I said, honey, if if Grandma's isn't listening to what you're saying, just stomp and say, Grammy, listen. (laughs) (laughs) And she laughed and we prayed. And I, you know, I apologized to her. And I I saw God making up for what I I lacked with Mm -hmm. my daughter. I got a second chance Mm -hmm. with that generational curse. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I love the way you're speaking to that value of it's, it's not just as you were talking about Trevor, like, only if we're going to have kids or you have little kids at home, like even when our kids are grown, or we have grandkids that we're still recognizing in us what God wants to work on and what we passed on. And I think the role that we have with our kids and grandkids, Mm -hmm. that as we recognize those things in us to come to them in humility. And just as as we've discussed a a lot around Mm -hmm. here, it's our vulnerability in those relationships where really as a parent, a grandparent, the adult, Mm -hmm. we have a position of authority Mm -hmm. in their lives. Mm -hmm. But when we choose to come humbly and vulnerably to say i i see something in me where i've made a mistake or i've mm-hmm. i've hurt you yeah. I, I want your forgiveness the way that empowers them i think to walk out of those curses as well is really really powerful and All so right. it's it's something that doesn't stop just because we're done having yep. raising yeah. our kids yeah. god can still use it in us and in them
3: yeah it's really important your kids need to give you input and uh, came to me uh, after she finished most of the healing classes we had in the church she said, Dad, we need to have breakfast. We need to talk. I went, oh, I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. And she, she sat down and she said, Dad, I always felt like when I was you, I had to do what you wanted to do. That was the furthest thing from my mind. I'd never been around a daughter and didn't know what to do. I just said, well, it's fun. Let's go do it. So I got to repent right then. But I really realized how
0: deeply it wounded my daughter. Yeah. You know, I've heard you tell that story before. And I I think about it, too, and the listeners who've listened for more than one episode know I have yeah. a two-year-old. And I I have gotten to the point now where I've realized I have to look at the motivation of what I'm doing. Right. Like I could be protecting my kid from running out in the street, but is it really coming from a controlling spirit? Is it coming from a place where um, it's actually selfishness that I don't yeah. want him to get hurt because then I feel like I'm in pain and that's like my fault that I allowed him. So there's just so many different ways that it manifests, but learning that If i'm telling my kid no am i telling him no just because i'm not in the mood or it's selfishness or i just don't feel like being a present dad like i have to evaluate the motivations of what i'm doing and that can't happen without self-awareness and that can't happen without community um and so that's just a just for me personally a practical way i'm trying to identify those um and i mean it's like a slow burn like it's Uh, taken a while but at least trying to identify Brady, where am I already when you're two years old? Where am I already? Where is that already manifesting? And what is he picking up on? Uh, And that's what I appreciate about you guys sharing so much about, you know, Brian and Nikki and your relationships and, understanding that even though, you know, your generation's ahead of me, there's still mm-hmm. growth to be had when you get to right. your age and your stage, yes. that it's okay to keep needing growth. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that growth doesn't happen on the way, yeah. but it doesn't, we don't ever arrive. We yeah. always gotta be on the lookout for exactly. that stuff. And I appreciate well, it that. we
3: are gonna eventually end up like Jesus, I still got a long ways to go. Yeah, yeah. for sure, uh, for sure. Yeah. You know. Oh, geez. One of the primary motivations is sets parents up for destructive behavior. Is a child's behavior reflects on the parent. Mm-hmm. They get insecure about who right. they are, right? And they become about control. You. So I look I've seen at, that before. I yeah. do that, right? Yeah. yeah. You just can't. That's the most deadly one. You got to fight with everything yeah. you got. Yeah.
1: Well, you guys, so much good content here. As we've already noted, we need to come back and go further into healing steps yeah. and and the, the transformation that occurs. But as we look to wrap up today, what's some of the final encouragement or just thoughts you'd like to leave listeners with as it comes to generational curses?
3: Well, first of all, understand there are no perfect parents. Mm -hmm. You're going to screw up at some point your kids.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Be humble. Yeah. 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 Get input from them. Yeah. Yes. Listen to them. Yeah. They'll tell you the truth. Yeah. That's right. Provide a safe place for them to communicate their hurts. Because you're going to hurt them. Mm Mm-hmm be honest and repent yeah Yeah. most important thing gosh Ah. (laughs) we like we like it i hate it though yeah i hate crying so much
1: how about you diane
2: um i just i think recognizing um every stage of your life Mm -hmm. um who has God called you to be? Okay. In other words, reemphasize that and what does that look like? Otherwise, the enemy is going to, he knows that fracture in our soul where we were mm-hmm. open to um, unhealthy. Yeah. And so, you know, just to be aware that every time we move forward, especially in ministry or as grandparents or whatever, he's going to be... Um, Helping us to see how how do I be that person you've called me to be yeah, here, right. rather mm-hmm. than walking in the flesh, yep, yep. which is my normal right. way of walking Default. under the curse. Yeah. I want to walk in the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And I would I would encourage the listeners if they have more questions, maybe if we do another yeah. Yeah. round on this yeah. that yeah. we right. could you answer send some in. questions because yeah. I'm sure it's it not an creates, easy one. No. it creates a lot yeah. of questions.
3: Um she mentioned something i want to emphasize you don't have one prophetic promise there's prophetic promises in different seasons in your life yeah mm-hmm. it's really important you stay fresh yeah the old prophetic promises are back there yeah i'm a new prophetic promises right now yeah god told me about parkinson's i'm gonna preserve you he says i'm not gonna heal you i'm gonna preserve you so that means i gotta fight i gotta understand yeah guys doing something unique in my life right now mm-hmm. that's what i have to understand Dealing with where you're at presently, you got to hear from God. You don't hear from God, right. you're in trouble.
0: Which, you know, and I that this would be my only encouragement to add on, uh, is just that being in community and being in real, raw, open, honest community, uh, that for me is where I found success. When I'm isolating and moving away from community, that's mm-hmm. where all that old stuff flares up. And when that flares up and no one's around to help me see it, yeah. it's really difficult because mm-hmm. it's easy for me to ignore the Lord when I don't have him speaking through the people around me. Right. If I'm isolating, I can just be gone. Yeah. But if God's at work and the people that are around me, then he's going to talk to me yeah. uh, in multiple ways. And so just for me, I would just say include people in your life that are on that journey with you. and look, identify people in your life that are people who have identified those curses and are working on themselves because those are the people that you want to be around. Yeah,
1: and I would just reemphasize, you know, what you guys said in the middle of this episode that our God is a God of redemption. And you scored, you know, a one or a two on that scale Mm -hmm. and in one generation saw significant change. And I think for those that maybe you're listening and are feeling the discouragement of the ways I've passed on curses or I've not been a very good parent or, you know, if, if we're willing to face the reality of wherever we're at, God can meet us there and and write a new story. And yeah, in a lot of ways, yeah. the lower we start, the better the story yeah. is. And so look in that hopefulness of maybe where I'm at right now, I'm not happy about yeah. my choices or my parenting or my past, but to say, God can redeem even this. And that's yes. what he's in the business of. And the story he's gonna write in your life is yeah. gonna be one worth telling.
3: Yeah, yeah. Right,
0: big time. I can't think of a better way to wrap it up. That was perfect. Uh, Ted, Diane, you guys, uh, your vulnerability, Your knowledge your experience and and really it is the calling as you guys talked about it's the calling god's put on your life it's just a blessing to be around so we appreciate you guys thank you you for listening to the pure desire podcast if you like what you're hearing and want to keep up with the podcast please subscribe download and share you can also rate and review our podcast the more reviews we get the easier it is for others to find the podcast if you'd like to support the message of hope and healing and developing sexual integrity go to puredesire.org slash give. And for more information about the ministry, check out our website, puredesire.org. And you can also follow us on social media at puredesirepdmi. Once again, that's at puredesirepdmi. We'll see you next time.